Well, it's Palm Sunday, and that it is. We also know Palm Sunday as Passion Sunday. It is the Sunday where we begin to make a turn, a direct turn towards the place of crucifixion. We start Holy Week with this intentional shifting in that direction. We have already been moving in that direction all through Lent, and typically Lent in our practices of self-denial and of prayer and of self-examination, we prepare ourselves, we position ourselves to move to the cross. But today is Palm Sunday, and by all appearances, it is a cheerful event. By all appearances, it looks like Jesus is a great success. He has this incredible crowd. He is very popular. He is like the, the, the trending thing, the trending person that's going on in his day and in his world. But in a matter of days, what everyone um, maybe expected him to be, in a matter of days, what everyone maybe expected had grown accustomed to, to perhaps this Messiah, all of that would change. Life would be altered. Their hoped-for future would seemingly vanish. And it would seem like their whole world was turned upside down in a matter of days. Well, we have learned that lesson, haven't we? We have learned that lesson that it does not take too much time. It can happen in a matter of days or weeks when your whole world can be turned upside down. Just like their whole world was turned upside down. But they don't know that yet. It's Palm Sunday. So let's just, let's just get caught up in the crowd of Palm Sunday for a few moments. Remember what they declared? In the Gospel of Luke, we read these words, that they were going down the road that goes down to the Mount of Olives. And then it says that the whole crowd began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. This is what it says. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. Blessed is the King who comes in the Lord. Hosanna, blessed is the King who comes to the Lord. Now those words we read in our New Testament um, seem maybe new to us, so to speak, but those were not new words to these people who gathered that day along that parade route. In fact, this was their current worship music. Since they were children who would be running to the temple for Passover, they would sing the words, they would sing the song of Psalm 118. Uh, they're part of the psalm that we opened the service with last Sunday, but it is there real current worship music. And this is what we read from Psalm 118. Verse 25, picking it up there. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Literally, Hosanna. Hosanna, Lord. Grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God and he has made his light shine us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Well, you see, for those folks, it's Passover. And we see this as this great celebration, but we need to understand that something else was happening here. Politically and religiously and culturally, there's tension and there's fear and there's danger. 
And there's anxiousness in the air. You have this great messianic hope that's going on. The people are saying, save us. They're looking for a savior. You have the religious leaders who are trying to to navigate and and strategize for power. You have the Roman army who's looking on, just waiting for something to happen. And so they're ready to crush any kind of riot. It's just incredible tension-filled time. Maybe Palm Sunday then has something to say to us about Palm Sunday today, after all. Remember, Hosanna, the word Hosanna means save us. They want someone to save them. And they are refusing to hold back their praise and adoration as they worship him, but also as they're crying out to him to save them. But did you notice? Did you notice the shadow right over there? You know, that shadow that looks like a cross, that shadow follows us everywhere on Palm Sunday, like the shadow of a pandemic that we just just can't seem to shake. Oh, but just for a moment, let's enjoy the beautiful Palm Sunday parade. In some ways, it's like Christmas. I know, I'm getting my holidays mixed up, perhaps. But it makes me think of buying gifts for those we love. And there's always that person that's the hardest person to buy for, right? And you know who that person is. We all have them. It's this person. It's the person who has everything. And so we ask, what do you give the person who has everything? Well, watch again this scene on Palm Sunday. Imagine that a camera zooms in on the face of Jesus. And what do you see? Do you see it? You see a big smile on his face. Now, that seems so counterintuitive to what we know is coming, what we know is coming at the end of this week. It does not seem very Lentish, does it, to us? A smiling Jesus is not what we associate with Lent. But this first day of what we know as Holy Week, the people are giving Jesus what makes his heart swell with joy. They give the one thing they can give to the God who has everything. Our text says, out of Luke 19, that they began to joyfully praise God in a loud voice. Their exuberance is overflowing. Their joy is very unfettered, intentional, unshackled. Their praise is unhimited. Oh, imagine that day where they gathered together with uninhibited praise. I wonder, if that is, is that how we're going to react when we finally can return from our exile from this pandemic and gather again in worship? But I also wonder, why do we have to wait for then? Why do we have to wait for a pandemic to worship God fully? Don't get me wrong, I, I, I'm not suggesting that there's a specific way we all need to do it because we all have different personalities but within our hearts we still need to be Palm Sunday people so today let us give the one thing we can give to the God who has everything our praise when I was originally planning this sermon for Palm Sunday I imagined in my mind that at this point in the sermon we'd be gathered together in this sanctuary and people would stand up and give just little bits of, of praise to God and thanksgiving to God, but, but we're not gathered. 
we're not, and we're grieving that. We're, we're not gathered in this setting, but we are gathered still. So could you possibly post something on your Facebook page, maybe in response to this message, of one thing you're thankful to God for? This past week, I Zoomed my good friend Jim Ennis. He pastors in Maine. And Jim and I were talking about um, the challenge we're having in trying to navigate these days. And Jim shared with me a practice that his wife Deb and him have been really leaning into. And it's the practice of gratitude. And so each day he looks at Deb and he says this, what are you grateful for? He asks that question. And she turns around and she says, what are you grateful for, Jim? You see, it's in the giving of this gift of gratitude to the God who is with us that we allow ourselves to become very present to the God who is with us. Remember we said last week that he is the present tense God. And it is our gratitude that allows us to be connected, no matter what's going on, to this God who is with us. Thomas Merton said this, The grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by experience. And that is what makes the difference. The experience of the God who is with us. Our gratitude connects us to him. So, gratitude, yes, gratitude, is for these days. These days. That seems so counterintuitive. Because in many ways, these are days of lament and sorrow. And rightfully so. We need permission to lament the impact of COVID-19 to mourn the losses that we're encountering in our world and in our culture. There's the losses of those who have passed away as a result of this. There's the losses of our normal routine. There, there's, the, there's the loss of employment. There's, there's the loss that's all around us in different ways. And we need to lament that. We need to mourn that. During our men's journey group gathering this past week, virtually of course, one brother in our group, ask for prayer for, glo for the global pain and suffering. It was very clear, it was very heavy on his heart, and it needs to be heavy on all of our hearts. So this idea of showering God with praise and thanksgiving, well, that, it just seems kind of crazy. It seems counterintuitive. But hear me. Doing that, practicing that, does not dismiss the suffering. In fact, it walks right into it. It walks right through it. Which brings me to that stubborn shadow that seems to just hang over Palm Sunday like a dense, dark fog. It's like a fog clinging to us. We can't shake it. Jesus is sitting on this colt, taking in the sheer joy of the people. And yes, I really do believe he had a smile on his face but he knows where he is going. He, he is now aware of what awaits him at the end of the week. He is aware of the suffering that's ahead. He's already told his disciples that. And yet, he lets the people praise from this psalm that they grew up with. I think Psalm 118 itself offers some insight as to why he let them rejoice and, and why that Palm Sunday, that first Palm Sunday, teaches us something about this Palm Sunday in 2020 that we are living in right now. Verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Verse 19 says, I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. 
Verse 21 says this, I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. And then verse 28 says, you are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. In this psalm, there's this explosion of thanks that declares who God is. But it also reveals the identity of God's people as God's people. It connects them and it connects us to what we know about God and who we are in God. And that does something very powerful for us, especially when we walk in the darkest valley. Thanksgiving offers us the perspective that enables us to lament freely and worship fully. That's right. Even in the dark space, Thanksgiving connects us to our God, allowing us to be honest about our lament to him, sharing with him our heaviness of heart while worshiping fully because it sustains us with his love. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Stephen Machia wrote these words, to be grateful rather than critical, thankful rather than cynical, and glad-hearted rather than bitter-minded is to be filled to overflowing with an abundance that sustains all of life. Isn't that something? An abundance that sustains all of life. Being critical, being cynical, being bitter-minded, those things rob us of life. But this place of gratitude really sustains all of life, whatever life is giving to us. Well, if you don't believe my words, just ask Pastor Marty. You see, the pandemic seemed to be closing in all around the town that he pastored in and closing around him and his family. There were also two other pastors in this small town, but they succumbed to the illness. And so Pastor Marty was left alone to care for the entire town because the town was now cut off and isolated. Commerce had ceased and fear was gripping the community. All day long, Pastor Marty simply did this. He he cared for the people, he helped the sick, and then he would comfort the dying and comfort the families of those dying. He held many funerals, sometimes dozens at one time, including the funeral for his own wife. And yet, in the middle of this darkness, the darkest valley, Pastor Marty wrote a table grace, what some refer to as a table grace, for his children. The pastor I'm speaking of is Pastor Martin Rinkert. He lived during the Thirty Years' War in Germany in the 1630s when the plague broke out in that little town of Eisenberg, Germany. This is what Pastor Marty wrote in the middle of the darkness. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices who from our mother's arms hath blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. That's a radical faith commitment. But he goes on, second verse says this, O may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us And keep us in his grace and guide us when we're perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the next. Praise God. 
These are words of subversive faith. These are words for the darkest of times. As are these words, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. But why are those words good words for a Sunday like ours on April 5th, 2020? Because embedded in that psalm, there's another set of words that tell us a special message for all of us, something we all need to remember. This is what we hear, beginning in verse 22. The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You see, Psalm 118 prophetically points to Palm Sunday, as we already have seen. But it also prophetically points to the cross of Jesus, where Jesus was rejected. He was the stone that was rejected. But he, because of his going to the cross, suffering on our behalf, he becomes our chief cornerstone, even as we walk through suffering and difficulty and pain. And there on the cross, God did an amazing thing. The writer to the Hebrews reminds us of that. In the message translation, it reads this way. We don't have a priest, Jesus. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Let's take the mercy. Let's accept the help. So yes, on this first Palm Sunday, the people are shouting their praises on this Palm Sunday parade. But that pesky shadow of the cross persists. But it is the shadow of the cross that reminds us of this, my friends. And we need to remember this today. Jesus understands our suffering. He understands our fears and confusion. He's been through the weakness. He's been through the testing. He's experienced it all. He understands why this pandemic unsettles us. And best of all, he understands the deepest places in our hearts where we need peace and comfort and strength and fortitude and encouragement and where we even need forgiveness of our sins. You see, he understands how much we need him as our salvation. Jesus joins us in solidarity on the worst of our days. Even as we this week vicariously share in the sufferings of Jesus as we walk through Holy Week, let us remember that Jesus joins us. He joins us in solidarity in the worst of our days. And he points us to what is the best in our days, which is Jesus himself. And that is why that first Palm Sunday teaches us something about this Palm Sunday. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices, even in the shadow of the cross. Let's join them in giving our grace, gratitude and thanksgiving to our God. Praise his name. For the one who's been designated in your household to lead in your time of communion, I invite you now to prepare the elements that you have. As we gather together on this first Sunday of the month and this first day of Holy Week, 
we turn to this expression of gratitude that the table of the Lord represents. The word Eucharist comes from the Greek word Eucharisteo. It is rooted, that, that word's rooted in the word grace. The Greek word carries for grace. So this idea of Eucharisteo is the primary word for for gratitude in the New Testament. But last week we said, don't forget the grace. Today we say, let's be grateful for the grace. And coming to this table, we live out the words from our psalm this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We gather around and we remember that Jesus not only went through the shadow of the cross, but he went to the actuality, the reality, the suffering, the pain of the cross on our behalf. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The cross is. So this is a place of rejoicing and gladness, but let me be clear. This is not a place of rejoicing necessarily in circumstances, not in some attempt to minimize suffering or distance ourselves from painful realities. This is not a place of trying to slap a religious band-aid or platitude on the daily news of an encroaching pandemic. No, this is a place where we walk right into all of that. We face it. We take hold of our lament and sorrow, all of it, whatever it is that you need to bring to him, and we bring it to the one who stands in solidarity with our struggles and our suffering and our fears and our doubts and our hardships. And he offers us grace. In this subversive act of faith, and yes, it is a subversive act of faith, we rejoice and are glad because of him. We subvert the anxious thoughts, the selfish reactions and fear of death by trusting Jesus with all of that and declaring our love for him and our thanks to him. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. His love still endures. So this table is a reminder to us of the grace of God in the life of Jesus. And here we offer gratitude for grace. So we're reminded on the night before Jesus was crucified that he took the bread and he broke it. He gave thanks to the, fa the Father and he gave the bread to his disciples. And he said this, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we partake of the body of Christ, let us be grateful to God for how he has given himself to us even in this hour. Let us be grateful and let us partake. Jesus then took the cup and again, he gave thanks to the Father. And he gave the, the cup to the disciples, saying, This is the cup of my new covenant, my blood which is shed for the forgiveness of many. And then Jesus said, Do this as well in remembrance of me. I invite you to partake of the cup. And let us be grateful that in Christ we find life everlasting, no matter what we're facing in life, the one who walks with us. Let us partake of the cup with gratitude this morning. As we did last week, I invite you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer together.
Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In Christ's name, amen. Well, my friends, it has been good to gather with you today. I invite you, if you have not already listened to the playlist that's been put together, to listen to those great words. The song, By Mercy Me, Even If, is worth it today to just listen to that, as well as the others that are there. Um, Let's remember that we are the church, that we continue to gather. We're not canceling church. We're not closing the facility down. We're closing the facility down, but we're not closing the church down. And let us remember that we're going to gather next week and all through the week. So please take note of the different ways we're going to gather. Thursday, we're going to have a dinner. Friday, we're going to have reflections. Saturday, we're going to have prayer. And then next Sunday morning, we're going to have a sunrise service. There'll be more information to follow as we move into the day. Lastly, send those videos of gratitude and why you are grateful for the resurrection, what the resurrection means to you, to James Shetler at jmsshetler at gmail.com. My friends, let us now go into our day in the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. And let us be thankful, no matter where we walk, wherever we find ourselves. Let us go as his people. May you go in the peace that is found in Jesus Christ, in the grace of his presence that is with us, and in his love that endures forever. In the name of Christ, amen. God bless you. Have a great Palm Sunday. Have a good day. You're dismissed.